0: Scripture this morning will be from the 10th Psalm, verses 12 to 18. Again, that's Psalm 10, verses 12 through 18. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. But you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth May oppress no more. I
1: don't. I don't think the projector is on. That, that might be. The yes. There you go. It'll be on in a moment. I have a picture to show you, um, and I think it is working correctly. But just the the projector. (laughs) He's getting it. It is good to see everybody here. I was wondering how the attendance would be. It's a little interesting to say that our crowd has thinned out um, over the holidays, which is not typical because I've never thinned out during the holidays. Myself, but maybe maybe you have but we're we're down a little bit, but we need to be praying for those people who are traveling and we need to be appreciating the times that we have uh, Together as family and friends and so hopefully you are in that situation Okay, we got a We got a picture um, And I don't have that picture, but that's okay We'll figure it out. I'm, I'm glad that there are people back there who are smarter than I am um, At this all I can do is say it's not working That's all I got. We're going to be, if you would open your Bibles up to the 139th Psalm. I'm going to refer to that in just a moment. The 139th Psalm. There are times, hey, there's a picture. There are times when we people have wondered about me. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Like, perhaps no it's not going to work that's okay there's a picture of a guy grinding with a grinding wheel with a with a metal cutter shooting sparks at tanks fuel tanks there's a picture of a guy there's a picture of a guy riding on the back of a car but he's duct taped to the back of the car and he's going down the road like this and you've got to wonder what Are they thinking there is a picture of a guy um, (laughs) and in India, apparently working on power lines up on the pole and his feet are bare and he's barely wearing anything, but he's working on these power lines. And then there's a man, a picture of a man that you would see if the projector were on (laughs) of a man looking down the barrel holding a rifle backward looking down the barrel to see if it's clean what are they thinking what are they thinking well we're going to be working out keep keep your bibles at the 139th psalm but we are going to be working out of chapter 10 of of psalms and I'm going to get to that in a point in, in a moment but have you ever wondered as you're interacting with people in the world, what are they thinking because they're not living godly lives? Have you ever wondered why someone would choose to not follow God when they know about God and they don't and they're not living godly lives? Have you ever wondered why people don't choose Jesus when they find out the good news that He died for us and He was buried, resurrected so that we could go to heaven? Have you ever wondered what the wicked are thinking? And even if we don't know what someone chooses to live, why someone chooses to live an ungodly life, we may never understand why someone would choose against that. But God knows. But God knows. And I say that because, listen, you're at the 139th Psalm, but I'm going to recite. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 2.11. God knows. Listen, for what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So now we're at 139th Psalm, and I'm going I'm to read to you 1 through 4 if you want to follow along. The words, beautiful words. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up, and you understand my thought. Afar off and you comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways for there is not a word on my tongue but behold O oh lord you know it all together you know me better than i will ever know myself you understand my ways and my tendencies and my thoughts You know exactly what I'm going to do, what I have done, and what I'm doing at the moment. You know. Better than I will ever understand, you understand. Because God knows what we're thinking. God knows what we're doing. And we're going to work out of the the 10th Psalm this morning, and we're going to find four things in this chapter that lets us know what the wicked or what the ungodly are thinking. And the first thing, if we look at the fourth verse in Psalm 10, we're going we're gonna to see that the wicked or the ungodly are thinking, there is no God. There is no God. Verse 4, In the pride of the face of the wicked th- does not seek Him. In the pride of His face the wicked does not seek Him. All His thoughts are, listen, there is no God. And so the wicked, the ungodly thinking are thinking that there is no God. Alex Segura Vendrell, he's from Spain. And and in 2016, in February of 2016, he broke the world record for holding his breath voluntarily. Voluntarily holding his breath. 24 minutes and 3.45 seconds almost 30 minutes under the water, and he's just lying. He's not moving around, just lying in the water, face down. Someone's kind of has, has his hand on his back, but he's lying in the water, holding his breath for 24 minutes. Now, what if someone were to say, air doesn't exist? <laughs> oh, he knows that air exists. He wants the air. That'd be silly. That would be foolish, wouldn't it? To say that air doesn't exist, even he had to come up for breath after 24 minutes. Even he did. It'd be a foolish thing. It's even more foolish. Even more about the most foolish thing that anyone can do. Anyone can say if they if they voice their opinion that there is no God. We use the phrase "that's crazy talk," and it is. It's foolish talk. Psalm 14.1 reads, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Here's a, here's a, a, a description of the, of the fool in Psalm 14:1. They are corrupt, Scripture says. They have done abominable works, Scripture says. There is none who does good, because they have decided that there is no God. Proverbs 13:19, it just ends with the evil, the wicked, for them to change their ways. Proverbs 13, 19 says it's an abomination to fools who depart from. They just can't believe that they that they need to change. And and for them, it's abomination. In other words, it's putrid to think of changing their evil ways. The ungodly could not fathom turning away from their sins. But we understand that sin is putrid to God. So that's the first that there is no God, that they're thinking in verse 4. In verse 6, they're thinking that they won't be shaken. Now, your translation might have moved, the word moved. He said in his heart, I shall not be moved, verse 6. I shall never be in adversity. If you would go to Revelation 3. I'm read from there in a, in a few seconds. It's getting ready for the sermon, and I was thinking about this idea. This, this word for, for moved is shaken. I was thinking about this idea that I had read about several years, the, uh, an earthquake-proof building. And these buildings are built in such a way, they're engineered in such a way that when an earthquake comes, they're supposed to stand. They're all over the world. They're, they're built in cities that are built on huge fault lines. These earthquake-proof buildings are built. And as I read, I realized that there aren't any truly earthquake-proof buildings, only earthquake-resistant buildings. I read that there are two benchmarks that are used for structures, building performance in a seismic event. And one is life safety level, and it means that that the Minimum amount of people will die in this building. It should come to a moderate to severe earthquake. There'll be heavily There'll be heavy damage, but um, it might be still occupiable. But but it wouldn't be safe. And the second is collapse prevention level. Moderate to severe quakes it leaves a building still standing. This article said but it's not ready for occupancy one engineer that i read stated damage is supposed to happen but collapse is not you think about that it's not earthquake proof damage will happen people might get hurt you can't live in this building after or work in this building after the earthquake hits but people who reside in or work in a so-called earthquake-proof building they're going to have a false sense of security. Those who live ungodly lives have the same problem. You know, times are going to come and they do come and they have come where we're shaken. Or things get shaky, we might say. But those in Christ won't be moved away from God if we're planted in God, but the but the ungodly lives, they have a false sense of security. Sense of security is they say, "I will not be in adversity." Yes, they will. Yes, they will. I ask you to turn to Revelation three earlier, and I'm going to read from 14 through 17. Laodiceans get a letter, and in Revelation, uh, John is told to to. And and to the angel of the Lord of the Laodiceans, write, These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now I'm in verse 15. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that I could wish that you were hot or cold. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, Here we go, false sense of security. I am rich, I've become wealthy, have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The 49th Psalm, verses 10 and 11. Listen, likewise the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever. Then they're going to pass them down from generation to generation. But we know and believe wholeheartedly that confidence in this world, when those shaky times come and we're not moved, we believe that confidence comes from the Lord. A couple of Psalm references. David wrote these beautiful words. in 16th Psalm, verse 8. I've set my Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. He says, I shall not be moved. That's 16:8, And then in 62, 2. David says, he only, only is my rock and my salvation. He said, David says, he is my defense and I shall not be greatly moved. The ungodly say, I'm not going to be moved. I am not going to be shaken. The ungodly say, back in verse, in chapter 10 of the Psalms, Of The the 10th chapter in, in or the 10th Psalm in chapter 10, verse 11, we have the third thought. God will never see. Listen, he has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see back in Genesis chapter one. Now, that's that's a that's a foolish thing to say. God will never see from the beginning of Scripture. During the creation, God sees and we read over and over that God saw the ungodly think that he doesn't that God doesn't see, think they're dead wrong. So we look at verse four of Genesis one. God saw the light that he had created. He saw it and it was good. Verse 10. God, God called the dry land, earth and the gathering together, the waters called sea. He saw it. He saw it and it was good. Genesis one, twelve. The earth brought forth grass, the herbs, the yield, and whose seed in itself. And God saw that it was good. And so in Genesis 1.17, he makes the sun, he makes the moon, he makes the stars, and he sees that it's good. So that's great that he sees the good stuff. And he really does, and we're thankful for that. But he also sees the wicked. He also sees the negative. There's another side to what God sees. We're still in Genesis, but we go to chapter 6. And we look at verse 5, and it reads, Then the Lord saw the wicked that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What happened? The Lord saw it. Saw what? Wicked people being wicked. He sees. But the ungodly say, no, he won't see. He's hidden his face from me. Genesis six twelve. so God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. He looked upon the earth and saw. And then and then the, the ungodly, the wicked say he's he's not going to see and he won't remember my sins either. He's he's not a man that he should forget. He remembers the bad, but he remembers the good. I want you to go to Hebrews six ten, and and it's just one verse, but it but it's it's so beautiful to me. Hebrews 6:10 and it'll be beautiful to you if you're striving Christian and you you believe that God is your rock and that he sees the the negative things but he sees the good. Hebrews 6:10 for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. He will see the good as well. To the godly. He'll see the good. To the wicked, he sees the wicked as well. Fourth thing that they that they think, the wicked, verse 13 of Psalm, the 10th Psalm. They believe, they think, according to the 13th verse, that they won't be held accountable, that they won't be held accountable. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. Again, that's crazy talk. In just a few moments, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, if you want to be turning there. 2 Corinthians 5. I was thinking about restitution. And I've known a few people in in my life and you've known people in your life who who have been convicted of crimes and they might go to jail for a while, but restitution most likely will take place and a federal judge there is, federal judges are required to order individuals who they're con, convicted of a crime they're required to order certain crimes to pay certain criminals to pay restitution. And that's going to help the victims of the crimes get compensated for financial losses. So I was wondering about this. Who knows how much money is is the fines are given that the government wants back because of those crimes So I was wondering about that, and so I started looking it up, started reading, and I read a report that studied the types of offenders who are required to pay criminal restitution, how much they owe, and how much remains unpaid. And I found from 2014 through 2016, $33.9 billion were, were fined, the restitution ordered. Between 2014, 33.9 billion. That's a lot of money that the government is going to co- collect. 39, 33 billion between 2014 and 2016. The attorney's offices collected a total out of 33 billion, 2.9 billion. Half of that came from debts that were imposed, listen, from 1988 to 2014. And so, what does that mean? In other words, criminals are not being held accountable for the crimes that they've committed. They're not being, and they can get away with it, scot free, literally. And the ungodly people believe that they'll get off scot-free from their sins against God. But we know, we believe, we understand, that has motivated us in the past. They will absolutely not get off scot-free. We're accountable before God. Romans 14, 12, So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. I ask you to go to 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to read verse 10. Sobering thought. If you think about it 2nd Corinthians 5 10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad every one of us will be held accountable for what we've done, the the ungodly think, "Mm -mm, not me, I'm all right. I won't have to pay a penalty in life at all. The ungodly think that the wicked think that again, crazy. talk. John 12, 48 reads, he, Jesus saying, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I've spoken will judge him in the last day. We can't get away from this judgment. We can't get away from the punishment or the reward. We cannot, we cannot go around that. We're going to have to get to God through Christ. That's what he taught. But also the ungodly will be judged. Sobering thought or joyful thought. It's up to you. So God's going to take care of both the righteous and the wicked in, in different ways. We will all be judged. And so we've got to make a decision. I'm not going to follow the ways of the thoughts of the wicked. Now, I understand we all have thoughts that are ungodly at different times. Anger and lust, bitterness, evil thoughts, avenge, to, to try to get revenge on people, not, letting be, not being able to let go of, of grudges. Those are ungodly thoughts. But we as Christians understand what needs to happen in those situations of repentance that needs to be taken place. So I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping this up, and it, and I just want you to think about this, that we cannot, we should not, we cannot ruin our lives with the thoughts, by thinking the thoughts of the wicked, four things that the, the wicked believe. There is no God. I will not be shaken. God will never see, and I will not be held accountable. And so, the question that I ask as we finish up what are you thinking? You thinking about God? Thinking that there is a God? You believe that? You believe that God is your rock, is your refuge, is your, is your stability? Do you believe that? Do you believe that He sees everything that you're doing, and are you living accordingly? And you understand that you will be held accountable for all of your deeds. Christians, are we living like that? What are you thinking? If you're not a Christian, what are you thinking? Are you thinking that you want to be? Are you thinking and understanding that you are full of sin and those sins need to be forgiven so that you can be reconciled to God? Are you thinking that? Are you thinking that you understand what needs to happen in order to be reconciled? Yes, you're going to repent. That's a given. And then you're going to confess Christ before men. You'll be baptized.